Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. All right, well, we are, we are really blessed today. Uh, my, my friend and uh, partner in ministry, uh, one, before we started the church, Brett uh, and Desiree, we met them, and uh, they have been a source of strength for me personally. He's much younger than me, but he's much smarter than me, that's for sure. And uh, him and his wife pastor a great church called Saints Church. He built a church. They both did. uh, I don't remember the exact time, but it's probably nine, ten years now, ten years ago. They planted a church, and uh, I spoke at it, yeah, on the 10-year anniversary. (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, It's been a long week of me laying floors, guys. (laughs) Oh, yeah, thanks, Ryan. Uh, and uh, they, they took over uh, West Edmonton uh, Pentecostal and they merged West Edmonton Pentecostal and their church, Engage City Church, and now became one church called Saints Church. And so it's, a, it's, a, it's an incredible church. Pastor uh, Brett and Desiree are, um, are incredible people, are vital for Canada, and they're building an incredible church. And so I know whenever Pastor, Pastor Brett comes, people always, you know, like, wow, that was incredible. And so I know today you're going to get fed a great meal and and God's going to speak to your heart, okay? So I want you to lean in today. So why don't you do me a favor? Come on, every person in the room, even little Caitlin, come on, put your hands together and let's welcome Pastor Brett as he comes today. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Pastor Ryan. Um, I, I was watching some of the service last week and I was just like, wow, maybe I'll get to like come up here and look as cool as Pastor Ryan did <laughs> sitting on like a stool, but there's no stool and that's fine. Uh, you know, just, just teaching the word of God. I, I'm not, you I know. I talking about hell, so. <laughs> oh, we can go there too. Uh, you know, we can do that if you want to do, but today we want to talk about unlocking supernatural power and um, thank you for the kind words. We... Desiree and I and our family deeply love, love City Church. We love you. And what I love is I, I love seeing new faces uh, because that means that new people are, are experiencing Jesus. Uh, they're, they're growing in their faith. Uh, and that's an exciting thing. I love being here for the first time in this space, which is super cool. Uh, it's, it's, it's a gift from God. And anytime God gives us something and he shifts gears and he changes plans. What sometimes looks like a closed door can all of a sudden be a wide open door. And it's just a shifting of gears. And I, I just feel like that's what's happening right now. It's just a shifting of gears. And, uh, and, and that's, that's what God is doing. He's shifting gears, not only for the church on many different levels, but he's shifting gears for you individually and for you personally. Now, I'm going to get right into the scripture just to start because one of my heroes, Pastor Wendell Smith, always used to say to, to tell young preachers, Listen, if you just start with the scripture, it doesn't matter how bad you are, at least people got the word of God. (laughs) So we're going to jump right into Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, if you have a Bible, go there with me. If not, there's a massive TV wall behind me, and I'm certain that there will be some verses that that appear there uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit and technology. All right, Romans 12, verse 1. If you're ready today, say, I'm ready. Okay, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. You're like, I thought it was through singing. 
Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So there's, there's, there's a lot right there. Like sometimes we, we read these verses. If you've been in church for a while, you might've heard this uh, passage. You're like, okay, that's great. Let's move on to the, the meat. Let's move on to the good. Cause this is just, this just seems so surface, but let's just like pull back the layers for a moment. Shall we? Can we just, just dive right in right here? Um, because the reality of the way that we follow Jesus most of the time is that we like to give Jesus pieces and parts. Des and I were on a flight recently, and uh, we were lucky enough to sit in an exit row, you know, with all the leg room. And, uh, and I really could have jogged back and forth in circles. Like, it was insane, the amount of leg room. And sitting right beside, like in the next aisle over, uh, was, was another couple. And there, there they only had two seats because the flight attendant was seated, you know, there as well. And they have this massive giant duffel bag, okay? Like a giant duffel bag. There is no way this duffel bag fit in any sizer. Like this, this duffel bag is contraband. Like it is not supposed to be there. And it's just sitting there. It's not even, it doesn't fit underneath seats. I don't know how much they paid this, the flight attendant for that to be okay. But they're there with just this massive giant duffel bag and it's just sitting there and to be honest with you I'm wondering how many body parts are in this right. duffel bag like I'm not judging the people I'm just examining their hearts you know and I'm just like looking across the way and I'm like okay like that's a massive giant duffel bag and it's there and it's like what is in this duffel bag and this is like a three and a half hour flight and so things are just progressing you know uh, they're, they're serving water because I mean that's what they do now um <laughs> It's like peanuts, maybe, no, not peanuts, you'll kill somebody. So uh, an approved snack and some water. And so they're serving it. And then as we get like most of the way through this flight, all, all of a sudden, the gentleman reaches forward and he pulls with all of his might, this duffel bag. And I'm like, there's a child about to come out of here. Like maybe a dog, I don't know. He opens the duffel bag. He reaches in and he starts pulling out Tupperwares. Now these are not, and these are not small Tupperwares. Like these are like this big, this round, green tops. I can see it in my mind right now. I might be able to see it in my spirit. I don't know. He starts pulling these stuff and they've got their trays out. And they're pulling trade, and he's just, it's like, this is like a multiplication miracle in scripture. Like there is just Tupperwares coming out and there's cheese and grapes and olives. This is a mobile charcuterie bag. That's what this is. Everything is individually compartmentalized. And just when you thought there couldn't be 17 more Tupperware containers, they reach inside and they pull out. You know, like when you go to a really fancy deli, they don't just have like normal, like, like I go to Save on Foods and there's like a plastic bag they put your meat in. But you go to like a fancy, like Italian deli and they got like the nice like butcher paper. It's all wrapped. This guy starts pulling out multiple shades of butcher paper. And I'm just like, what is happening? And he starts opening up the butcher paper. And now there's all these different types of meats. It's a full shirt. Now the flight attendant's coming by. is like, oh, what do you have over here? So she's just like checking out the scenario and then they're just eating and grabbing and I'm not jealous. I'm, I'm amazed. 
I'm in awe. I'm filled with wonder. I'm just like looking at this. And then I get grossed out because I, like, when you, have you ever watched somebody eat a charcuterie board? It's all fine until they got salami fingers. Right? Because they're just using their fingers. And then I just can't stop thinking about how greasy his salami fingers are. And he's just like eating. But isn't that how we follow Jesus with all these little different compartments of our life where we just tidily package up? Well, this is like my relationship over here. And this is my family over here. And this is my friendships over here. And this is, you know, this is all my, my, the stuff that I don't want anyone to know over here. And we just package it up and we wrap it up and we carry around this giant duffel bag. And we think it's a good thing until we realize it's actually baggage. And we don't actually surrender any one of those things. We like to keep them all because maybe I'm going to need this. Like, the tr- maybe I'm going to need this behavior because it seems like it could give me freedom now. But I kind of, I kind of like it when I need it. So the Apostle Paul just says, if you want to. Worship God in a way that he finds fully acceptable. He says, I plead with you to give your bodies to God for of all that he has done. And you're like, give your body, like, honestly, when you read that, give your bodies to God is a weird phrase, right? You're like, no, I give my heart. I give my mind. He said, no, give your bodies. Like, as if to say, Let's just start here. Let's, 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 let's give him every part. And, and he goes on to say, he actually, actually begins to describe, I don't know if you know this, but we are what is called a trichotomous being. Just turn to your neighbor and say trichotomous. You're like, isn't that a dinosaur? It's not a dinosaur. It's who you are. You're trichotomous. You're made up of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. And right here in Romans 12, 1 to 2, there's a call for us to worship God with every part of our being, body, soul, and spirit. I'm going to show you right here. It says, I plead with you. Now, just also, just a little asterisk if you're like, if you like Bible stuff and if you're taking notes, because I know everyone in the room is taking notes today. Uh, (laughs) This idea of I plead is the word parakaleo. Parakaleo. One of the definitions, like, you know, anytime you use like a different Greek word, there's all these different definitions, which is why the language is so much more beautiful and why we kind of struggle sometimes to translate it into English. This idea of I plead with you is the apostle Paul saying, I want you to come and check out the view from where I stand. Come over this way. Now, let's think about that for him. The Apostle Paul is a terrorist murderer by sinful nature, known as Saul. And so he is saying, listen, guys, trust me. I held people's jackets while you stoned other people dead in the street. Trust me. The view from here is different. It just looks different over here. So when he says, I plead with you, he's like, listen, I've been there and now I'm here and I'm calling you into something greater and I'm calling you into something uh, deeper. If only you would just, just take my word for it. Come over to the side. I plead with you to give your bodies because of all that Jesus has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice. Now, the best part about this whole verse is it says a living sacrifice, not a dead one. You know, because you get into the Old Testament, animal sacrifice was a thing. Right? 
that's how, that's where the atonement of sins came, all these different animals being sacrificed. If you don't believe me, go to Leviticus. It's wild. Um, <laughs> so the best news here is it's a living sacrifice, that you're alive. Yeah. And I don't know if you realize this, but what Jesus did on the cross was he was a sacrifice who died. the lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. But he was a person. We just say lamb and it makes us feel better. He's a person and he died that we could be free. So he says, you can be alive. You're actually gonna be truly alive and you're gonna be holy as a sacrifice, meaning set apart for the plans and purposes of God. Ironically, the last line of verse two says, then you will learn to know God's will for you because when you come alive in Christ and you're set apart for his plans and purposes, you truly begin to discover discover what it is to live, what it is to be alive, and you discover the plans and purposes that he has for you. It says, this is the way that you truly worship him. This is the way. This is the way. but we're body, soul, spirit. So here at first he talks about the body, meaning, so when we think of the body, we just think it's our, our physical body. And he does mean that. He means, listen, he means every part of our body. He means like the way that we take care of ourselves, our, our, our sexuality. He means that. He means our priorities, like our time, the way that we spend and invest time in the physical realm. We live in a very physical world. So in the body, he's really talking about this physical dimension. Then he talks about the soul. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. You're like, I don't see the word soul in here. He says, no, no, no. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Our soul is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. She says, let me, let me change the way that you think. God wants to change the way that you think. It's not that you think bad. You just don't think high enough. You know, Isaiah 55 says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. There's a whole nother realm. There's a whole new dimension. There's a whole new perspective. There's, there's a way that God wants you to look at the world, and it's not the way that you're looking at it now. Because he wants you to see it through his eyes. He says, give me your mind, your will, and your emotions. Interestingly enough, this idea of changing the way you think is essentially the definition of repentance. So he said, give me your body and give me your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. I'm gonna transform the way that you think because you're gonna turn from that other way of life towards me, which is repentance. Then I'm gonna transform your mind, the way that you process things, the way that you look at scenarios, the way that you used to be offended by the way that that person was talking there in the corner and leaving you out of it. You just realized, oh, I'm just selfish. They're just having a good time. Oh. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and purpose. Perfect. We're not talking about behavior modification, okay? You get into these environments, you get into church settings, especially a great church setting, and you want to do better, whatever that means. You want to succeed. You want to be fruitful. You just pull Christian words out of the air. But you can't do this. Only the Holy Spirit can. He begins to change and transform you. The way you think, the way you process, the way you see, the way that you handle your emotions, the way that you handle your relationships, the way that your body functions, he, only he can do it. So why is this important? Because our world is broken. 
if you don't take my word for it, I mean, have you, I mean, I don't really watch the news, but have you seen the internet recently? <laughs> the world is broken. Yes. Luke 21, 26, Jesus let us know that that's coming. He says, people will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth. For the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Does that not sound like what we're living right now? People are terrified. Uh, I had the privilege of um, doing the fifth step for somebody in their, in their uh, 10 step journey. Is it 10 steps? Alcoholics Anonymous? 12. 12 steps, there we go. I knew the number was completely wrong. Uh, I got to do the fifth step. And we have a whole community of people walking through addiction in our church and coming out on the other side of it. And part of this fifth step is like, anytime I've wronged somebody, you list all of it and then you say it out loud to somebody else. Uh, Any resentments that you have, you know, all that. uh, That's not what's important about this moment. What's important is that in the middle of this conversation, he's as he's unloading on me, taking responsibility, letting go of some things. You know, he's, he's, they're bringing about some transformation in the soulish realm. But, you know, they, they started introducing a pastor, and in, in our context at least, in, in coming to church to go listen. You acknowledge a higher power, but by the way, the higher power's name is Jesus. Oh, and only he can transform. And he said something to me that just resonated. He said, you know, uh, I've just realized I've been medicating myself because the world right now is a scary place. He's like, like, it's terrifying. He's like, I am terrified every day about the world that we live in. I don't look at the world that way. I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic. Now, maybe I'm naively hopeful and optimistic. I'm hardwired up and to the right. That's like how I live. Pastor Ryan can tell you, like we get in the phone. He's like, ah. and I'm like, it's fine. No, that was me, yeah. Too real, too real, too real, too real. I'm like, it's great. Everything, not coming back, so this has been great. This has been good. This has been so good. That impression was actually pretty incredible. By the way, anyways. um, But I just don't see life as, as like, I see the world as full of potential hope because I know the person that made this place. I know the person who runs this place. I know the warden of the jail. He holds the world in his hands, right? And so if he spoke the world into existence, go read Colossians 1 for yourself and get excited about how everything like was created through him, for him, and by him, and that he holds it in his hands. He spoke it into existence. Like we're talking about Jesus. So I'm not like, I'm not scared of the world. I'm just realizing that <laughs> a scared world needs a fearless church. Yes. Come on, amen. It's not my quote, it's A.W. Tozer. But if, in your notes, if you want to write Brett Esslinger, that's fine too. But we don't do this by just deciding to be hopeful. You, you can't just decide that. So I guess the question is, what is the antidote to this brokenness, to this fear. It's a church that is alive, that is fearless. How does that fearlessness 
occur. It happens only by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's it. Talking about unlocking supernatural power, it only happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I just want to point out a few things as we think about the Holy Spirit. First thought today is that, and you'll, just, you'll see where I'm going, but the Holy Spirit comes upon us. That's the first thought for today. The Holy Spirit comes upon us. And you'll see where I'm going. In John chapter 20, there's this moment after Jesus has died on the cross. He's now starting to appear to his disciples and to other people, right? He's, you know, for a period of time, Jesus is rolling around, showing up. My favorite moment is, uh, is when he makes brunch on a beach. Like, that's the best moment. I'm like, if Jesus was to meet me with a love language, like, brunch on the beach sounds pretty amazing. And then I realized he made fish, and I'm like, I'm out. But uh, <clears throat> this moment is awesome, too. Uh, in, in John 20, 19, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. So fearful, not fearless, right? Fearful, not fearless. You're going to see a very stark contrast right away. Fearful. They're afraid because Jesus was condemned by the Jewish leaders. They were, they were afraid because when Jesus was condemned, he hung on a cross, the worst way to die in the history of mankind. Like they, they were afraid, like good reason to be afraid. So they're meeting behind closed doors. And then all of a sudden Jesus rolls through the wall. He's standing in the middle of them. It's like, is that Jesus? <laughs> So he rolls into the wall, into a locked room, appears, and you know that they freaked out because the next words that he say are, peace be with you. That's how you know, they're like, what? He's like, peace be with you, it's fine, it's fine. Relax, it's okay. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, because they started freaking out again. Anytime you see peace be with you, and Jesus is talking to his disciples, they are losing their minds. It's like, peace be with you, brother. It's like Jesus revolution, you know? It's like, they're all hippies. Peace be with you. Okay, this is unrelated. I was at, uh, I was at this church service in the southern U.S., and, and uh, I was there with my friend, he was speaking, and they did this thing, because they're all like a bunch of hippies that got saved, and they're celebrating like 50 years ministry, and we were part of the celebration, they're like, okay, now get up and pass the peace. And I'm like, I guess smoking marijuana in here. Like, what does pass the peace mean? They meant shake hands. This is what happens when church people get weird. And we come up with like, weird sayings and weird phrases like hey man hey bro let's just pass the peace like that means a whole bunch of different things in a whole bunch of different contexts anyways so jesus says peace be with you and as the father sent me so i am sending you this kind of gets weird but it's awesome then he breathed on them and said receive the holy spirit you're like, why did he breathe on them? That seems an awkward encounter. Because the word for spirit, particularly meaning the Holy Spirit, is pneuma in Greek, which means the breath, the very breath of God. So when they're filled with the Holy Spirit, he breathed on them because he breathed out the breath of God. That same breath of God is the very breath that breathed life into a lifeless Adam who was created out of the dust of the earth. 
It's the breath of God that brings life and brings hope and brings healing and brings rest. For things that already are alive, as in we have a pulse, the breath of God brings and awakens the rest of us. Did you know that you cannot live up to your highest purpose as a human? You cannot live up to your highest potential as a human without Jesus and specifically without the power of the Holy Spirit. That God created you, he handcrafted you, he knit you together in your mother's womb. Psalm 139, Ephesians 2.10 says that you are his masterpiece, a handcrafted masterpiece. That's amazing. You are awesome, but you are more awesome and you are at your highest level when you have all that God has for you. Because he made you and he knows how to unlock all those things. And those things that you thought were deficiencies or those things that you thought were your strengths aren't actually your strengths. They're just your natural aptitudes that you've developed. And he goes, listen, there's actually so much more inside of you you've limited yourself because you took the low-hanging fruit but when Jesus comes into your life he goes listen I'm going to just start bringing out all these other things and all of a sudden you're going to flow in all different dimensions the Holy Spirit comes upon you now you might notice if you've been in church for any length of time that this is the book of John not the book of Acts now hold on pastor the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2 you're right for all flesh but in this moment Jesus told the disciples to receive the Holy Spirit because he was beginning to unlock the fearlessness that was required to do the task that was at hand. Then he gave them some marching orders in Acts 1 verse 4 to 5. Once again, when he was meeting with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So first they received the Holy Spirit. He says, now you're gonna get baptized. He's like, it's gonna be a whole different thing. It's gonna be a whole nother level. Just, just watch, just trust me, go there and don't leave. They're under specific instruction. They've received the Holy Spirit. He breathed his breath upon them and then, they got to show up and wait in this room. In Acts chapter 2, again, you can read it for yourself. The Holy Spirit was poured out in a significant, significant manner. Actually, let's just do this. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now there's a few things that we need to just notice here. Notice that they were meeting together in one place. And I love the people that are with us online. Please come to church. There's something significant that happens when all the believers gather together in one place. Right? When the people of God get together, uh, there's, there's a theological concept known as the corporate anointing. It's why the Israelites were always together when they worshiped, like a whole nation. They, like, it's something incredible when the people of God come together. Now, notice this, okay? We'll just let's talk about the, the house of God, the church, for a moment. There's something that happens when the people of God meet together in one place, but notice this. It says in verse 2, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Before any person was filled, just watch this with me. Before any person was filled, the house was filled. Like, well, what does that mean for me? Good news is you are attending a spirit-filled, spirit-led church. This environment before you receive anything is already filled. It's already filled. The house is filled 
before the people are filled. And it's our job as stewards of people who are already filled to create an atmosphere of faith and expectation. It's our job to steward his presence. It's our job to worship because why? God's enthroned in the praises of his people. I mean, he becomes king when the people of God start to praise him. And in every single way, in every single dimension, in every area of our life, we already know that he wants it in our body, soul, and our spirit. So just imagine what happens when the people of God gather in one place. The house is already filled. Because the house is already filled with his presence, the people are filled. But we have to steward this. This is a responsibility for us as, I mean, nine o'clock people, you're committed, right? Because you're here at nine o'clock. Like that's just, that's just the fact of the matter. And then it says when it looked like flames or uh, and tongues of fire came on every people, we get like, we, we kind of confuse like speaking in tongues with the tongues of fire. Uh, it wasn't like there's was a giant tongue over top of their head that was wagging in the air. That's, that's not what was happening. It, essentially, someone was just trying to describe what looked like fireballs, but no one had the word fireball at the time. So they said, oh, it's like tongues of fire. So please don't think that there's a giant tongue waving above their head. And then they started speaking in tongues because that was a sign that they were going to do this. No, no, no. It was just, but they had a very tangible experience. What we have unfortunately done in the church world is that we've made the experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit, not a tangible experience. We've made it hypothetical. They experienced a wind, actual wind. Then they looked above everyone's head and saw balls of fire, actual balls of fire. Then they started speaking in other tongues, but it didn't happen all at once. As the Holy Spirit gave them this ability, which means it was a trickle effect. And like a fire, it went from here to here to here to here to here to here to here and started catching fire. So sometimes you, you pray and you're like, well, how come, how come Pastor James gets all like the spiritual gifts first? Like, listen, it just starts somewhere. It's just a spark. Stop being offended by not getting it first. That's an issue with you, not an issue with God. He might be teaching you something. But it just started to happen and pour out and trickle up because that's what happens when it just pours. And it pours like oil and it falls down and it just covers everybody. Here's what's happened when the Holy Spirit is poured out. And just notice this. The Holy Spirit is poured out in the book of Acts in Acts 2 on all people. In Acts 4, they're at a prayer meeting. Then the Holy Spirit is poured out and then there was boldness unlocked. So there's different avenues or angles or facets that are unlocked when the power of God is poured out. In Acts chapter 8, it doesn't say specifically that they were poured out, but Peter and John went there to pray and lay their hands on people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then it's so wild that Simon the Sorcerer is looking around at everything that's happening. Literally, he's in the Bible. His name's Simon the Sorcerer. And he's looking around. He goes, wow, this is what real power looks like. He's he's like, how much? Because the Holy Spirit's just transforming people's lives. Like, how much? Like, you can't buy this. If you buy it, you die. Eventually, he gives his life to the Lord. And then Philip, who was a faithful brother, Deacon Philip, they're just speaking in Samaria. Samaria was like this area that no good Jew wanted to go because he looked. they looked on them as lesser than. If you're wondering if the Holy Spirit was actually poured out in that moment, the Holy Spirit then teleported him to a different place. Like Star Trek. Science fiction is real. It started in the scripture. If you're wondering if the Holy Spirit was, that's what happens when the Holy Spirit shows up. In Acts chapter 10, Peter is preaching to Gentiles. In Acts chapter 13, they're sent out by the Holy Spirit and Paul 
who was filled with the Holy Spirit went toe-to-toe with another sorcerer in another region. All throughout the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is constantly being poured out. Why why am I showing you this and why don't we go back to John 20? Because this isn't a one-time deal. This isn't, oh, that one summer at youth camp, right before I went to the tuck shop, very cute boy came and he prayed for me and I think I received the Holy Spirit. And I spoke in tongues maybe one time, but I really said shit about Hyundai. And then I went for a snack. That might be your experience, but there's so much more here. And it's not, even if that is your experience, and even if it was real and legit and all those things, it's awesome. I'm so glad that you've experienced that, but it's not, it's not a one-time deal. This is a constant, constant feeling. Now, we're just going to flip this scripture. Ephesians 5.18, it says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. That's fun, right? Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what we know about drinking. That if you stop drinking, that you let some time pass, you are no longer drunk. You're sober, right? You sober up. So what do you got to do if you want to get drunk again? You got to keep drinking. You got to keep drinking and drinking and drinking. And you're probably trying to just numb yourself into oblivion so you don't have to process the world. Well, the truth is with the Holy Spirit, let's just flip it for a moment. What do you got to do? You got to keep drinking. He says, this stuff's going to ruin your life. But if you want to unlock supernatural power in your life, just keep drinking. Come drinking from my well. Come to my, come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me and I will pour my spirit on you. Come to me and I will give you this supernatural prayer language, which will allow you to speak to me directly in a coded language, which is awesome that no principalities or powers of darkness can access. And when you don't have the words, I'm going to pray for you. How am I going to pray for you? I'm going to pray for you through you when you speak in tongues, which is awesome. So in the book of Acts, like we see six different ways that people are, at least six different ways that that people are experiencing the Holy Spirit. You see that they were baptized with the Spirit. They're filled with the Spirit. They received the Spirit. The Holy Spirit fell on people. It came upon people and was poured out on people. Well, why is that? Because we all have a different experience and we all have different language. There's one person here that's going to walk away and say, this service was awesome. Somebody else is going to say, I don't know why he talked about charcuterie. You're still back at the story. Because we all are experiencing this in a different way. And so we've got different language. And so all throughout the book of Acts, there's different language that's describing the same experience. Because as unique as the fingerprints are on your hand is as unique as your relationship with Jesus is. The way that he wants to meet you. He wants to touch you. He wants to set you free. Let's just talk about speaking tongues for a minute. Please don't talk about speaking tongues. I'm going to talk about speaking in tongues. You're like, Pastor Brett, what's your opinion on speaking in tongues? I share the opinion of the Apostle Paul. I speak in tongues more than you all. And I wish that you too would experience this beautiful gift that is a gift for you to be connected directly to the source. That through every season, Scripture literally says that with groanings and utterances. That's the noises you make. The Holy Spirit is praying for you, through you. That's wild. Like, I'm discouraged. Jude says, build yourself up in the most holy faith. This is an incredible gift. 
You notice in Acts 2 verse 4, how did they start doing it? In, in the New King James Version, which it's not a message until you get to the New King James Version. As the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. So here's what's going to happen. Someone's going to come and pray for you at some point. They're going to lay their hands on you. And to, to be filled or baptized or immersed or have the Holy Spirit poured out upon you, whatever that experience looks like for you. They're going to pray that you're completely saturated in his Holy Spirit. Now, here's what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit isn't going to walk up to you and grab your tongue and start wiggling it. He's not going to be like, Bleh. That's not how you start speaking in tongues. You don't start speaking in tongues by repeating after somebody else. Those are all things, the props that we've used to like try and help people. But something starts just coming up from the inside of you. When you come into a complete place of surrender, the Holy Spirit will give you the ability, but then we play our part and we start speaking out in faith. It is a step of faith. He did his part. He does what only he can do, and we do what we can do. You're like, this isn't a real deal. In 2006, the University of Pennsylvania commissioned a study, and these neuroscientists took brain scans of five different people who were speaking in tongues. Sounds pretty legit. And they put them in a brain scanner, and they said, okay, speak in tongues. <laughs> what a wild experience. So you're in like this like MRI thing and they're just speaking in tongues at the top of their lungs. Now, like, I think you're supposed to stay still. I don't know how you stay still when you're speaking in tongues, but like, shut up. You know, anyway, it doesn't matter. They're all getting like fired up and excited and they're speaking in tongues. So this is, this is what happens. They took the images of these five people when they spoke in tongues and they found that their frontal lobes, the thinking willful part of the brain, this kind of sounds a little soulish to me, thinking willful part of the brain through which people control what they do, it was relatively quiet. That's not the most interesting part. The other part that was quiet was the language center. This is a quote from Dr. Andrew B. Newbert, the leader of the study team. He says, the amazing thing was how the images supported people's interpretation of what was happening. The way that they describe it and what they believe is that God is talking through them. So their willful part of their brain where they were deciding to make this happen and the language center of the brain, which is what you do when you, because the big accusation is you're just speaking baby talk, right? None of those were operating. It was the Holy Spirit speaking through these people at the University of Pennsylvania in 2006. But really, this is how our journey with God. Tongues is like a sign and a wonder because it's a picture of what our entire life of following Jesus looks like. He's gonna offer you this incredible thing. We have an opportunity to believe in God, to take him at his word. And then it's gonna require a step of faith where you've gotta start, in this case, start speaking. But in real life, <laughs> that's our compartmentalized talk. You gotta take this step of faith and as you obey, when we're talking about tongues, as you obey, he gives you the utterance or he starts speaking through you. Or in the natural realm, he gives you the ability to accomplish it. Tongues is a sign and a wonder that if you can trust Jesus in this small area, it's a redemptive picture. Why? Because death and life are in the power of the what? Tongue. It can, there's nothing in our bodies that brings more death than our tongue. And he goes, if I can redeem this, if I can pour my spirit out on this one thing, this small little thing that's like the rudder of your entire life, if I can get your tongue, this silly little thing, if you would trust me with this, I'm gonna take care of the rest. 
I'm gonna take care of the rest. But this only help comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's end this right here. If you're ready to end, say, I'm ready. This is the lie of the enemy. He says, go fun, go have fun right now. You're young, go have fun. Recommit your life when you're older. You ever heard that? He whispers and he says, oh, so you went and you had fun, you're gonna recommit, you're older. He says, now that you're older, you're too old. You've really screwed this up. You're way too old. Man, you really should have done this when you were younger. Can I just remind you, the devil is a liar. You are not too young to serve God. You might be feeling like you're sacrificing fun, but the truth is if you're chasing fun, you're gonna sacrifice purpose. You're not too old to serve God. You didn't miss your moment, you didn't miss your mark. And I just wanna tell you that the Holy Spirit is right here right now and he's here for you and every person in this room. Jesus is for everyone and so is the Holy Spirit. As much as Jesus is for every person in this room, we can identify with Jesus in the sacrifice. The Holy Spirit is for every person in this room. So God says in Acts 1 that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And when you receive power, what kind of power do you receive? The Holy Spirit gives you power over sin, power to be a witness for Jesus, power to live for God, power over temptation, power over sin cycles, and power over shame. And by the way, many of us have been defining our lives by shame. So I just wanna give you an opportunity right here, right now, to make a decision to first put your hope and your trust in Jesus right here, right now. You're like, well, normally we bow our heads and close our eyes. Okay, we're not gonna do that. If you're here today and you would say, you know what? I'm tired of stumbling through life. I'm, I'm tired of just like trying to make it happen, trying to make a way. I'm just tired of all this. Then I just wanna give you an opportunity right here to make the best decision that you could ever make. You're tired of walking alone through life, then hold on to the hand of the one who holds the world. His name is Jesus. Hope has a name, his name is Jesus. The answer isn't another program. It's not another online webinar. The answer is Jesus. So if you're here today in this room or you're watching online, you say, you know what? I wanna make a decision right here, right now to invite Jesus into my life, to be the Lord and my savior. I'm gonna worship him with every part. I'm gonna give him every part of me. I'm gonna just surrender. I'm just gonna trust him with what happens next because you've tried everything else. You're like, what else do I have to lose? So if you're here today, you say, I wanna invite Jesus into my life. I'm gonna count down from three. When I get down to one, I just want you to give me a quick wave, okay? You say, I wanna invite Jesus into my life. This is a starting point moment. I wanna invite Jesus into my life. Give me a wave. In three, two, one. Quick wave, quick wave, quick wave. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Say, I wanna invite Jesus into my life. Anyone else? If you're online, I don't know how, type it in the chat. Just type the word Jesus in the chat. Someone's gonna track you down. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray this prayer together, okay? I want the whole church family to repeat this after me. Why? Because when you make a decision to follow Jesus, you're not just making a personal decision, you're joining a family. You need to know that there's a family that loves you, supports you, and will walk with you through every season. So we say this, we say, Dear Jesus, I need you now more than ever. So I give you everything. My wins and my losses. My sins and my successes. They're all yours. Forgive me from going my own way. From this moment forward, I'm following you one step at a time. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen, amen. Hey, can we give a big round of applause for all those who prayed that prayer? The very first time.